Hello, friends. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Kenton. This is Rewild University's Unleash Your Life podcast. Thinking about Hawaii and our adventures there. Oh, crazy times. Oh, crazy, my goodness. crazy times. I don't know if we've really told everybody about what happened there. <laughs> I mean, bits and pieces. We but... have had a lot of experiences there. I feel sometimes when I think about our seven months or whatever it was in Hawaii, it feels like six years or seven years. Or There's a definite time warp that happened because I could not agree more. We were definitely there for years. And I would a say about long, six years. Long time. And then suddenly, though, now that we're back, it feels to me, I almost wonder, did I ever go there? Did yeah. I just dream it? Isn't it bizarre? Yeah, it's the over the rainbow thing where <laughs> you really just go to this mystical land and then you come back and you wonder. Hmm. I wonder if it's because in some ways the experience almost was traumatic and yet it was punctuated by these beautiful experiences that were nature experiences, I want to say beyond anything we could have dreamed of. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about seeing the humpback whales breaching and swimming in the water and them being super close by. Oh, my goodness. Right right by us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or the time that we went out to the wild dolphins and they just swam around us. Uh-huh. And then there's the time that I ran into the sea turtle or it ran into me, actually. I didn't <laughs> see it coming and we smacked each other. Uh, yeah, you just... literally ran into I, each I other. I did. You're not supposed to touch them. And I swear to you, I didn't. I thought I had hit another person snorkeling. Oh. <laughs> that was crazy. My shark? Oh, my gosh. Your shark. Oh, my oh, shark. So many just wonderful. The beauty of that animal just undulating through the water. And shave ice. Oh, on those hot, Very hot nice. days in the summertime. Some good memories. Oh, truly. But on the flip side, I think of Hawaii, our time in Hawaii, literally as the forge where we were pounded and bl- sometimes literally by the ocean. You have the scars to prove it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, pounded and made strong, but you know, had to be made weak to be made strong. Yeah, we hit rock bottom, as they would say, in some ways. And at the same time, you're right. I think we found a new strength, a new connectedness with our family and with nature that, well, couldn't have happened if we didn't have that forge element. Yeah, you know, thinking back on it, our whole experience almost reminds me in a way of our own forest monk experience. Not the one I thought we were going to have going in doing the 100% project, which the universe just rearranged itself on that one. Oh, yeah. But the way the forest monks come, they encounter difficulties, they encounter the beauty of nature, and they grow from that experience. I agree, because the forest monks come here to Rewild University, and we do our best to give them this super enriching but challenging experience. But, you know, I'm doing that. I'm being the head teacher from the comfort of the yurt or the house or wherever we happen to be staying at the time. 
get to be with my family. I'm still plugged into technology while they're going through all of this stuff. And in a way, boy, we got to go through our own version of that, complete with lack of electricity, technology, access to food, (laughs) water. (laughs) Yeah, all sorts of primitiveness, let me tell you. And of course, plush for us was living in a seven by 12 foot space as a family. And that was luxury, really. That was our plush. Yeah. And wow, and look at that, 7 by 12. And it's, it's not a whole much bigger than the bed that Mirabelle's in by herself right now. Maybe double the it's size. It's a small right? space. Seriously, go find a rug you have and, and see how big it is, and it'll probably be pretty close. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but now that's not to complain, because I think I could have complained many times, but we chose that adventure we chose that experience and we learned a lot from it and I just wanted to talk today with everybody about some of the things that we've learned from our experience in Hawaii and I think for me one of the really big ones is the balance of nurturing and caring for yourself versus giving to others in sort of in a way of giving beyond what you have because that was one of the central themes in our time there. Definitely. And I think that's been a central theme throughout our life. And I hope that this time we have come to a new evolution in it. But we were on a pretty rough situation on the other side of the island. And then we decided to move to the other side of the big island to help out with this bed and breakfast with these people we had met. That's where we were given this 7 by 12 room. And we were volunteers there. And here's the thing. It it started out as this, well, I think as it often does in our life, which seems like a really good situation. They weren't really asking anything of us, and we wanted to give just because we liked them. Yeah, we were happy to be there. I think everybody was looking out for everybody, and uh, which isn't to say that where we originally landed wasn't wonderful either. I oh have to put in a word for those beautiful people, our wonderful host family over there. Be forever grateful to them. That they were amazing and a wonderful place to land. And it just was too hard for us to continue to do what we needed to do without access to some of those things. Um, but so to the bed and breakfast, we were super grateful to be there. It was wonderful to have a spot on that side of the island where we could snorkel and encounter the ocean. And it was a lovely place to be and get to meet people from all around the world. Yeah. And I think we really wanted to start off being clear. I think our issue, and maybe some of you out there can relate to this, is that we have really good hearts and we really want to please, we're people pleaser, we really want to please everyone. But then what happens is we extend ourselves so far out or spread ourselves so so thin that we cannot then see that we're making ourselves unhappy. In this case, it just started out with the grounds. We were going to improve a section of the grounds, but also be doing our 100% project on there. So it seemed like it would work out really well. But then we started saying, well, maybe I can play some music because I brought my handpan. Mm-hmm. So we played music for some of the breakfasts. And, and then they got sick and we stepped in and helped out with some cooking and some breakfasts. And then we started helping out with some rooms. And I think I lay the blame on us mm-hmm. because we let that become a slippery slope. And eventually we were just working as hard as we could to try to do rooms. I think we were doing them every day or five days a week or something for a while. We were doing 
We rules had a lot of different situations. We did breakfast on the weekends. And, you know, we definitely helped when they were sick for a stretch of days and they went and wanted to have family time so their whole family could gather together. And so we ran the bed and breakfast for 10 days by ourselves, um, which again, that was right over Christmas. I remember Christmas morning serving 16 <laughs> people at breakfast and it was so fun. And again, I wouldn't trade it. However, I do believe that we did not see, hey, we need to care for ourselves. Hey, we maybe need to say something. And that's hard in this culture sometimes, especially if you are sensitive to other people's emotions, especially if you're a people pleaser or somebody who doesn't like to quote, rock the boat. We can feel guilty if we take time to do something for ourselves. I hear that a lot in self-development type circles. Is There's this feeling of guilt when you start saying, all right, I'm going to devote an hour a day to meditation and I'm going to devote an hour a day to fitness and I'm going to start spending extra time cooking really good food for myself. It can seem pretty self-indulgent. Yeah, it can. And especially if, for example, in the case of the bed and breakfast, you know, one of our hosts had some chronic health issues and it is very difficult when you've stepped up to help to then step back and say, actually, I have to care for myself. And then you see that person suffering. You know, how do you sit down and decide, oh, I'm going to work on my knitting project when the person next to you is, you know, hacking up a lung or something like, oh, yeah, I guess I'm feeling kind of guilty about that. Yeah, and we can do that with the world in general right now. You know, I can look out at the world and say, oh, there's people not getting enough food or people that are in this situation or that. What right do I have to sit in my castle and just ohm for two hours a day? <laughs> well, and I have a couple things to say about that. You know, the first is, let's see if I can remember them. For some reason, my brain's just not with me today. <laughs> The first is... We're doing an episode of our podcast. <laughs> Your brain's not with you? Well, Wait. I want people to get to know the real me, and I don't always have a brain. So anyway, <laughs> I'm sure some people can relate out there. You're not always your best self. Anyway, if I waited to be my best self, <laughs> we would never have any podcasts. Oh, ditto here. <laughs> so what were we talking about? <laughs> no. <laughs> I think the thing is, and we've talked about this before, that being your best self and being in a strong place, being in a place where you are nurtured, you are then better able to give your gifts to the world. That's my personal opinion. That's been my personal experience with my own life. The times that I give and I give to the point that I've depleted myself, oh my gosh. You know, oh, you yeah. think about a cute, sweet little dog and then think of it all of a sudden switching around and snarling and biting at you. It's like, whoa, what happened? And that's definitely me. And that has been us. We've come to places where we've given too much. We haven't said anything. We haven't taken time for ourselves. And then boom, all of a sudden we explode out of nowhere, which really it was just a festering resentment or a non-communication of, look, we need to take care of ourselves and we're not doing it. But then it manifests as our not nicest selves. Yeah. It's one of my first girlfriends. This is where I think I started that pattern. And she was more of, quote, a taker type personality and me more of a giver. And of course, I don't blame her because if someone's just giving you stuff, mm. you're going to keep taking it. But secretly, while I was giving, I was starting to blame her. Mm. And then, like you say, I built it up. I built up this resentment until, well, oh, it's over. And I'm all mad and angry with her when 
I had kind of been giving her this message all along that here, I'm happy to give you more and more and more. Yeah, so it comes to that kind of untruthful communication Mm -hmm. where you're saying, oh, sure, I can do that. Oh, yeah, that will be no problem. And meanwhile, you're feeling the tension inside of you rise, yet not doing anything about it. And that comes ultimately down to our own, each person's individual responsibility to nurture ourselves, though it is really challenging to do. Wow, what you say makes me think of our dear friend, Andrea. We love you, Andrea. (laughs) An amazing yoga teacher and wise woman. And she has always been reminding us of that, that if you don't have your bowl filled, Mm -hmm. you're not going to have soup to give to others. And so being a giving person asks us to do what's really tough for a lot of giving people. And that is to take some time for yourself. Take take, a little bit. Take for yourself (laughs) so that you are in a grounded place so that you can make good decisions. And so that when you do have energy to give, which you will, because if you have a giver's heart, you are always going to want to give. Mm. Then the second thing I was going to say, because you mentioned, oh, you look out in the world and it just seems like there's so much stuff. The second thing I was going to say was I'm reminded of, I think it's Lauren Isley's starfish thrower. Oh, star thrower, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and how there's this idea that there's so many people that need help, what can I do? And it's just so you just start with this one, make a difference to one person. And it doesn't even have to be glorious or glamorous or on the front page of a newspaper. It can even be silent, just going by and picking up some trash that you know, fell out of somebody's pocket and they didn't even know and you just pick it up for them. You don't even have to say anything. Just do this random act of kindness. Or it might be helping somebody, you know, load their groceries into their car mm-hmm. or carry them to their house or shovel a sidewalk. We've mentioned these things before, but I think it's really important not to overwhelm ourselves, especially if we are the kind of people who can feel guilty for just taking a moment or two for ourselves. I remember thinking to myself when the girls were first born, oh my gosh, I'm in the shower. This is wonderful. Oh, but I feel terrible because there's so many things I should be doing. It's like, oh. girl, take a shower. <laughs> Do everybody a favor. Oh my gosh. You know, if you haven't read Lauren Isley's The Star Thrower, I highly recommend it. It's just a very short story. I could probably tell it right now, but I'll let people yeah, read it if they're interested. Yeah, go find it. And actually, a lot of Lauren Isley stuff is really oh my goodness. pretty pretty sweet. But that reminds me that that's kind of how we started our YouTube channel. Mm. I mean, we had There was all kinds of advice, videos, books, on how to make your YouTube channel super popular and flashy. And, and I'd like to think that we had that vision right from the beginning, that if our videos can make a difference to one person, then our mission is accomplished. And I think that's allowed us to create a small, close-knit audience that we're actually connected with and know a lot of our our audience members. We love you out there. You guys make our day every day. (laughs) I just smile thinking of just all the things you share with us. There's so much. Well, so what this makes me think of a little bit is that our current culture, at least sort of here in the United States of America, is really a lot of times based on doing versus being. Mm -hmm. And that can be difficult too if you're a kind of person who is a giver. If we are judged by our accomplishments, by how much we get done, or how much we buy, how, how much external we have, that that can kind of start to feel 
as though we're just, we're never enough. And then it also sometimes makes me feel as though uh, doing something kind for someone isn't as valuable, mm. which is weird because the, to me, the true riches in life, I think, are the ones that you'll get to take with you whenever we leave this physical form. And those are all the wonderful memories of the love and the kindness and the compassion that you share with other people and creatures on this planet. I feel like, oh, I have to admit to something here. Is this something I know about? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know Ooh, what I was going to say. Hey, this is the time to tell people about this kind of stuff. Crazy. You know me pretty well, I have to say. But that that really came to a head in, in Hawaii for me because I'm a person who I want to state that I believe that it is not about what people do, that every person, every being has intrinsic value just in itself. And yet I do not apply that to myself because one of the big reasons I was giving so much there is I was hinging my self value mm. on how much I gave, just like you said. So that is this schism inside of me where Say that word again. Schism, schism. Did I mispronounce that? No, schism. That's just such a good word. It's just like, ugh. Inside of me that I believe one thing or say I believe mm -hmm. one thing, but I'm not applying that to myself. And if I can't really apply that to myself, can I honestly apply that to other people? Yeah, that's true. Walking your talk, as it's called. But again, we so often don't want to turn that lens of clarity and truthfulness on ourselves. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's big. That's really big. Well, one thing I'm thinking about in Hawaii that we got to witness too, which was just kind of an eye-opener but made me think more deeply about certain things, is that there was a lot going on in terms of growth, especially on the side we were on, the Kaluakona side. Huge expansion. And it kind of makes me think about this idea that we need to grow, we need to become better, we need to get more things, we need to do more. And, you know, I saw that there very physically in how much growth there was in terms of people on the island on that side and houses and things versus trying to cultivate a steady state of being. And, you know, that island is not prepared to have that much traffic on it. The roads weren't built. People are living one upon another. And then there's a huge schism between <laughs> the really wealthy people with multi-million dollar homes. Look, if you have a million dollars, you're not wealthy in Hawaii. No. No. A million dollar home will buy you a normal home. I mean, a million dollars will buy you a normal home. So multi-million dollar people living right next to people who are not just poor, they're working three jobs and they're still living in a tent. And so huge, huge rift between grow and more and more. I think this is an entire cultural paradigm of growth versus evolution. Mm. And if our economy, for instance, it's not healthy unless it's growing, it's growing. Mm. And do we, do we think it can just keep growing forever? I mean, there's only so much more stuff and you know, we can't keep piling right. on. It makes more me think of population more. density of deer. In the <sighs> natural world, you can only have one thing grow to such an extent before something is going to wipe it out, whether it's a disease or predation or starvation. So what makes us think that the consumer culture that we have is going to be any different? I think going to Hawaii, especially that Kona side, 
is a great eye-opener and lesson in what consumption looks like. We're largely hidden from that up here in the Northwoods mm-hmm. of Wisconsin. People aren't super into mega consumption in the way there it's, it's growth. Like you say, houses on top of each other, more and more cars, ships are coming in with more and more stuff every day. And there's only a narrow band that the humans can fit in along there. And when there's a car that breaks down, they're often just left somewhere on the road. And when there's trash, it's often just left there. There's empty houses because you've got vacation people. Yeah, it's really weird. You have these people who are so poor and they're working three jobs and living in a tent, but there's empty houses everywhere. It, It was kind of like with the food. It's the food dripping off the trees, but it's private property. You know, kapu, don't trespass, that's taboo. And it's not even that people are trying to do this. You go there, you live there, you get submerged in the culture. Okay, so we had a neighbor, and that neighbor was living in a very small space. He was paying like $800 a month to live in, I am not kidding you, it was like a closet, smaller than our 7 by 12 space. But that was reasonable, okay? And that's (laughs) tough because, you know, he wasn't coming from a different culture where he could go, this is ridiculous, where we looked at each other and we're like, this is craziness. I was like, you're trying to make it. So it isn't necessarily that people are being bad and they're trying to overconsume. They're there and maybe they don't have a way to leave. So they're doing their best, but it continues to perpetuate that because again, it's almost a gridlock that becomes, you know, everything becomes enmeshed. And so then you pull that one part and it affects the whole thing. I think when we see that kind of rampant growth without thought of where that growth is leading, it makes me think of our own lives in places where we might be wanting more and more and more and not saying, hey, what if we could find a steady state? What if we could evolve something and transform an existing thing into something else? I can see places in my life where there's this desire for more and more growth. Well, I gosh, I mean, this is something that is I've been reflecting on a lot lately as we begin to try to figure out where we're going, what's our next course of action. And that is that from a young age, we're enmeshed in the idea of better and what better means. Mm. And better is often more money or a better car or, you know, a more expensive house or, and it isn't necessarily more time with my family or more meaningful relationships or the ability to take deep breaths, meditate and manage my anxiety. We don't talk about that kind of stuff in schools. Why aren't kids learning meditation in school? (laughs) Why aren't they going for Shinrin Yoku walks so that they can have the benefit of being in green growing things? That doesn't have a value yet. The same way that okay, better get a good job, better get, you know, it's, quote, the American dream, which is really mostly a nightmare. And we're seeing that shift and change. We're seeing forest schools and, and more and more meditation added to, to classes, but it's still, I think it's still a thing on the side. You know, few are the schools that say, we're going to make mindfulness the centerpiece of your education, when as adults, hopefully we're probably going to find that meditation or mindfulness our interconnection with other people, those are the central things in our life that everything else revolves around. It's no good to have a million dollars if no one likes you and 
you don't like yourself. And so this paradigm shift, I think this is a, a paradigm shift that we could have as a culture. And we got to see it there in Hawaii. Yeah. But it's also a place that we can look in our own lives, even if, like us, you're consciously trying to live in a more steady state, less consumptive role. I still see places in my life where I am taking, I think, more than I need, more than is actually going to make me happy. Well, that just makes me think of resources. And, you know, if I think about Hawaii, and again, we can turn that gaze onto ourselves in our own lives, but there, you know, 80 to 90% of their food is still coming from across the seas. When places that we've went, we visited farms where people were completely self-sufficient. They were growing all their own food. They were hunting wild boar. They were helping to plant native species. So why not do that on a larger scale? Why not on a statewide scale? Same with the sun. Okay. Energy. So there are definitely some solar panels there in Hawaii. But why is every building not, (laughs) why is the state of Hawaii not completely running on the sun? Because it runs... I don't know the percentage, but I'm going to say 90% of or more on coal and oil. And wow, why is that happening with that energy source right there and the technology readily available? I think about, we'd go into a grocery store and see mangoes from California and Mm -hmm. wait, what's happening here? That mango (laughs) was shipped on a ship spewing stuff all the way from California when this is mango central. Exactly. Well, and then so that makes me think where in my life do I just consume resources that I don't need to? And it sort of then circles back for me because when do I give resources away when I need to be doing that steady state thing? So it comes down essentially to how do I balance my resources? How do I balance everything Mm. that comes into my life that I need and everything that I give out? And maybe it isn't a great way to look at give and take. You know, could we come to a culture where we don't have to buy and we are more local and all of that? And so how can I have a more organic relationship with my own energies, my own resources? Wow, those are big questions. I know. <laughs> I don't necessarily have the answers. This is this is not a podcast that's like, okay, step by step, here's how you do it. This is just stuff we've learned and stuff we're still questioning. I think of, of health and relationships. You know, those are some places where you can see the steady state in action. Mm-hmm. So unless, I mean, maybe I'm going to be a bodybuilder and I just want to endlessly try to grow my muscles bigger and bigger and bigger. But apart from that example, usually what we're trying to do health-wise is get ourselves to kind of an optimization mm-hmm. where we are feeling vital and energetic and healthy and you know, arguably we could always be more healthy, sure. but most of us are trying to find that steady state in our relationships. Yes, again, you could look at it and say we're always trying to grow our relationship in the sense of learn more about each other and go deeper. But what we're really looking for is more of an evolution-based thing, a steady state of connectedness from which our life experiences can evolve and flow and shift and we can have that togetherness. But that contrasts with this consumptive culture that we have created, where the idea literally is, I mean, the message we're given, is you're going to be happier the more stuff you have. Mm-hmm. And we've talked in other you know, episodes about how each object has a hidden cost yeah, to it. Yeah, absolutely. If I have a car, it takes 
energy mm-hmm. and money and other resources out of my life that then can't be applied to, say, my child or, or wife or friends. So it's not harmless to just consume more and more, even just on that level of, am I making myself happier? That's a, a false kind of message that we've been given, that more, more, more yeah. equals happier, happier, Well, happier. we just become hungry ghosts then where there's we'll really, like <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's really nothing that will make us happy. And that's because circling back, we aren't actually taking in what nourishes us and what nurtures us. And that's the really, really, really big thing that I learned in Hawaii was for me personally, what it is, is making sure that I have time to be present. If things start going really quickly for me and I feel rushed or there's so much that has to be done that I feel like I can't stop, I get really nervous because of course I'm a perfectionist and I want everything to be done and I want everyone to be happy. And so if I can step down that rushing feeling and feel slow and feel steady and peaceful, I can be aware and then I can be there with my family. And that was the thing that really brought us all joy. We grew so strong as a family together in Hawaii because that was actually the one thing we really had that nurtured us. That was what we had was each other. And so for me personally, having time to be with my family, having time to walk on the beach, to reflect on things, to ask questions, and then to reach out and help when I can. And so that I learned a lot about that, about don't give beyond what you have. Make sure you are in a place where you're nourished first, but that doesn't necessarily come from having more and more and more. And I am determined <laughs> that we learn that lesson. Yeah. That we don't make that mistake again because we're moving into new aspects of our life where we have ripe opportunity to just redo that, to replay yes. that whole scenario. And I think secretly life often works like that. Mm-hmm. When there's something you haven't figured out, you're given the scenario, some version of it over and over and over again until you get it and then the game of life says all right you don't need that one anymore master that level go let's do something (laughs) different no but that does really seem true and i think that then we have to ask ourselves how do we know when we're giving too much when we're feeling nourished and that is something that requires a lot of Mm self-honesty because for me one of the scariest things is to go to somebody and say hey i know i said i could do this and it's too much for me yeah. But the most important thing to remember is that we are all human beings. And I'm sure some of you have felt that way too. So if we know what that feels like, we can appeal to that in other people. I'm a human being. I overcommitted to you. You know, what can I, what can we do? Where can we go from here? Because I want to make sure I'm doing this in good faith with myself and with you. Absolutely. Boy, if somebody came to me like that, I would feel like I want to hear you. This is really important. So why would I think that other people would condemn that if I came to them with that but well, boy that's the way we can a very often... loving and compassionate person so we can all get attached to things want things to be a certain way but I think in the end just being vulnerable there's a certain strength to that yeah tough but but real yeah well do we want to have some action points well let's have some action points but first I get to say it's time for you to unleash your life <laughs> Thank you, Rebecca. You're welcome. And these action points, I mean, as you probably felt out, this wasn't 
so much, as you said, Rebecca, about here's how to improve your life is sharing with you our experience as we kind of process some mm-hmm. of what happened in Hawaii. But, but yeah, here's some thoughts. Well, action point number one, we were talking about resources and it's really wise to learn how to identify and utilize your resources that you have around you and to use them wisely. So not getting something from a million miles away, that's an example, that's a concrete one, but even more mystically, you were talking about this. Well, that would be the thought of actually kind of overcoming that whole concept of resources at all. That idea of resource puts stuff outside of me, these things that I collect and then use. That's a very practical way of seeing things, but I think we can also just see ourselves in this dance with with life. And if we're in a cooperative dance with it, we can get away sometimes from that mindset that just sees these resources that I'm going to utilize. I think when I think about this action point, oh my goodness, there's that example in Hawaii, you know, very evident cultural example of the resources there, the sunlight there, mm-hmm. but instead choosing the coal the coal and the oil. So that happens because of habits often. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about resources, we're also not just talking about physical things, but but just our mental, emotional resources, uh, the way that we process the world. Well, yeah, our perspective and thoughts about what is and our habits about how things should be. And a lot of times I think if we go beyond that resource mindset, as you were talking about, we get new eyes and we get new vision and we start to see, oh my gosh, wait a second. I have what I need right here. And maybe that's a physical thing. Oh, I didn't even think about it, but my neighbor has, you know, a ton of extra wood. They've just been saying, I want to, you know, get this old oak tree chopped up and I could use that for firewood. Why didn't I think of that? You know, so there's everything from that to going, wait, I have everything I need because what I really want and what really makes me happy Mm. is being together with my family or having time to do my art or having time to walk in the woods with my dog. And I don't need all of those other things. Wow. That could be a life changer. Yeah. (laughs) Number two, nurture yourself. Mm. Oh man, this is a tough one for me. I've got to say. Why is this so hard? I, I feel like I just have a very thick skull and there's many life lessons that I need to learn over and over and over and over again because I just can't seem to get it. Battered by the waves. Battered by the waves. Multiple times. So what was I doing going up to try to film waves again in an even more dangerous circumstance? Those waves were gigantic. What we haven't told really anybody. You guys don't know this story. Okay. Well, there's the there's a video out there on YouTube of Kenton getting pummeled by waves. It was the first wave. And you saw that. I said, okay, I'm going to get a video of this wave. And it was just a small one, but it sure just rolled me back over the lava. And I came up. I don't know how many bleeding everywhere. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. And you still have scars from that. But it's the second one that was the scary one. <sighs> the second one. I have no idea. This was. You've got to set the scene. Well, okay. Along these cliffs. Yes. And the waves Lava cliffs. were huge. Immense. All right. So there was actually a, there's, there's warnings out there, but this was a huge, huge warning. Like no crafts were supposed to go out. You could hear the waves from where we lived and we were a long way from the ocean you could hear them at night 
crashing against the shore. Just immense waves. So we decided it would be really fun to go to this place where there are arches, sea arches, and big blowhole spouts where the seawater comes up. And it's usually a safe place to hike, and you can stay distant from the shore, but you can observe this natural phenomenon, especially when the waves are really big, and it's majestic and incredible and so awesome. There's just no way to explain it. And we went down along here and found this beautiful sheltered place where there was a little kind of inland beach with yeah, a little pool, little pool of water. which had water in it somehow. But how did that water get there? Because the waves weren't getting over those cliffs. So I went up to photograph some of those waves that obviously didn't come over the cliffs, except I wasn't thinking about the pond of water. Oh my gosh. So Kenton's there. He's got his hat on to protect him from the sun. He's got his GoPro. He's all set up. He gets one incredible crashing wave. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And then here comes the next wave. And the next wave is really big. It is so big that it washes over Kenton. It comes spilling into the pool where the rest of us are waiting. And it's so big that the water is strong enough that we all run away from it because those of us in the quote little tidal pool are going to get bowled over. So we watch this wave come in. And I, the girls run away from the water. They're like, oh my gosh, we're gonna, you know, smashed over. And I watch them and then I glance up, I see the wave crash over Kenton. And then in the next moment, I look back, and here is Kenton's hat floating in the tidal pool. Floating in the water. Just no Kenton. The now, the thing to know here is that these cliffs drop way down to the ocean, and they are brutal, and there's not a way to get back up. And so my thought was, oh, Kenton has been sucked into the ocean. And there's his hat. And I <laughs> said some choice words. I'm so sorry. Becca. That were... Because I realized I could do nothing. There's nothing. I wasn't going to dive into the water after him. No, the waves were still crashing. It was just like, okay, let's go see if he's out there and if he's past where the waves are and somehow help him. But then the wave receded and there was Kenton just smashed up against the rocks of the tidal pool. Bleeding everywhere again. Yes, it was the second time. And you luckily said... I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> Thankfully, you were not a Darwin Award, but it was close. Anyway, how does this relate to the nurture yourself this has anyway? It's <laughs> not learning lessons, right? Because I need to learn how to nurture myself. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, so there's a huge tangent. Thank you for coming along with us. <laughs> oh, my but gosh. Yeah, it's so important to learn to nurture ourselves. Yeah. Just remembering that little bit of wisdom that if you fill up your bowl of soup, you have soup to give to others. Yeah, it's important. And so spend a little time identifying what really fills you up. Not what it is you wish would fill you up, but what really actually does. And then don't be afraid to ask for that. You might hear advice from others. You might hear us saying, oh, meditation, that's so important. But listen to yourself. You have more wisdom about your life than any doctor or guru or anybody else. You're going to know, oh, it's painting. It's playing your guitar. It's something that we are not even talking about that really nurtures you. Mm -hmm. And be true to that. Awesome. Action point number three is going to follow along this story really well, which is learning from your experiences. Learn from your experiences. You know, take a little time 
to sit down, maybe even after this podcast, and reflect on some of the things that are going on in your life right now and maybe where some sticking points are and what you can learn from them. And I'd really urge you to take advantage of experiences where you find yourself eager to blame others. Because we could have told this whole Hawaii story in a very different way about some really evil people that used us and abused us and could make ourselves into victims and them into perpetrators. But none of that would have been true because we were all beautiful people. We are all still beautiful people. It would not have been true. But that's a story I could tell. True. And so often we can take an experience and just say, this experience was terrible and I was used and abused. And sometimes that really does happen. And those feelings are truly justified. But often I know for my life, I've had tendencies to blame other people when I could more truthfully look and say, oh, Catton, what part did you play in it? Mm-hmm. And when I see what part I played in an experience, then I really learn and evolve from it, much more so than if I look and try to peg blame or put fault on others. Well, and I think it's really important what you're saying, which is that you're taking responsibility for your place in what's happened and when we start to see that we have responsibility then we start to see we have choices and the biggest most beautiful gift that we have is choosing what we want to think about something and when we can choose our perspective and we can learn from all the experiences we have especially the negative ones there's this deep sense of satisfaction i for me personally and of connecting with life and saying yeah that was really hard or that was really stupid and I was responsible for that. But yet then the beautiful ray of hope is that what can I do differently? How can I change it next time? Or what beautiful thing can come out of that? Yeah. Wow. Oh, you gotta play a little music for us. Do like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. No, no, not that one. Not that one. No, that's terrible. Play a nice one. Can you even remember it? Somewhere over the rainbow? Yeah, no, I forgot it. Oh, no, okay. I've been working on that one, but that would violate copyright if I was oh, yeah, playing yeah. music. Yeah. So, Play your own thing. Yeah. All right. I guess this will sign us out. Hey, didn't we end with music last time?